Hi everyone, uh, this is Mark and this is the Mark Hastings Experience and uh, in this podcast uh, I'm going to be talking about everything from poetry to films to uh, TV shows to books and about uh, anything and everything that inspires me and uh, I hope you like what you hear. Hi everyone, this is Mark, and welcome to the episode of the Mark Hastings Experience. And in this episode, uh, I want to talk about um, uh, movie translations of uh, books, or uh, adaptations of, of books. And um, how there are occasions where they go really well, and uh, other times they go really badly. And some adaptations of, of books in particular uh, are, well, they're, they're unmentionable for very good reasons. But the, the problem is, I suppose, that when anybody, any filmmaker, uh, any screenwriter, any actor, uh, wishes to um, depict something that uh, for the longest time only existed as words then uh, depending on who you are you're gonna have to have you're gonna have a different perspective or a different um, uh, image in your mind of who someone should uh, be uh, how they should look and uh, and so forth and uh, I think for the most part um, most adaptations of uh, of books that have been made into films or TV shows have done a really good job of um, showing who a character really is, uh, such as uh, the Jack Ryan TV series uh, on Amazon, uh, in which uh, Jack Ryan, the character, uh, is played by uh, John Krasinski, and he's really great in the... Um, in that TV series, as was um, Harrison Ford uh, when he played him in um, the films that, uh, when he played uh, Jack Ryan, um, and uh, Ben Affleck was also was also good uh, in the the Sum of All Fears when he played the character of Jack Ryan, um, and Alec Baldwin, of course, when he played uh, Jack Ryan in um, The Hunt for an October. Um, and then Chris Pine played um, the character of Jack Ryan um, in kind of like a prequel to the to the of, of the the main um, storylines that we were familiar with in Hunt for October and the Summer of Fears. He was much more of a younger um, version of the character, very close, uh, I think, to the 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 age range that. Uh, he is in the, the Jack Ryan um, Amazon TV series. Um, and I think that that's... Uh, that is a successful... They have been successful adaptations because... Um, because of Jack Ryan, he's someone who... Uh, he's very capable. He's a um, an analyst that uh, works for the, the CIA... Um, and he's called in uh, 
at these these moments of uh, crisis uh, uh, by the the US government uh, because of his expertise in uh, uh, world affairs and uh, the threats that uh, face um, governments all around the world, especially America. Um, and for some reason, they have been very successful. The adaptations that have been made, uh, and of course, as I say, um, like a lot of uh, the characters, um, some successful characters from films that they uh, just came from words that the the uh, the descriptions given by um, Tom Clancy uh, when writing the character and. Uh, you know, when you write a character in a, in a book or in, in a, a screenplay, um, you, occasionally when you're writing a story, you have uh, the face or the, the appearance of someone in particular who you want to base your character on. Um, but it's only a vague um, shell, really. It's just basically um, something that you... you uh, you you look to, but you don't really want to focus too too much on uh, because they um, more often than not you are only basing the character on the appearance, but who that person is, um, whether it's an actor or a different character, their motivations uh, are going to be um, different. But um, when some of the the classic uh, books that people know and love were, were made uh, were written and published uh, such as um, The Hobbit uh, by uh, J.R. Tolkien or The Lord of the Rings um, uh, books um, at that time there was not um, this um, tidal wave of um, celebrities and famous people who a writer or an author could look to and think, oh, I'm going to base my character on the appearance of that person. Um, so back it, when they, people were writing their stories at the turn of the century, um, just after the turn of the century, um, they were basically just giving a vague uh, description of how their uh, character looked, what they wore, um, the way they, they talked perhaps, where they were from in the world and that gave the reader some kind of idea when they were reading the, the stories of these characters what they may sound like or how they would act or uh, what their um, accent would be uh, whether they wore glasses so when you were reading a book uh, about a character you could you could think in your mind, you could come up with some kind of um, imagined image uh, about how a character would look, but uh, in this day and age when a writer writes uh, a story, uh, more often than not, or when a, a screenwriter uh, is writing a script um, for uh, a, a film, they sometimes say that they have a specific actor in mind. They and they, they based this character, or sometimes they write a character um, based around a a specific actor they have in mind, who they perhaps think they may um, 
get to star in this film and they may take their screenplay that they've written and take it to a specific actor and say um, we've written this screenplay we we're wondering if you wanted to star in it and uh, in, in a film and have a film be made and if they wanted to be attached to it and uh, more often than not if a famous uh, film actor or TV actor um, who is very well known around the world can get attached to uh, and get and have their interests attached to a specific script then it, that can open doors for uh, screenwriters and um, directors who want to get their their film made uh, so I think there is uh, a lot of good points of um, uh, writing a screenplay and having someone in mind um, a, a specific actor but the problem uh, when you come to um, adapt a a book or uh, that has been written um, centuries before perhaps um, then and when you it comes to be made into a film then you are also having to uh, you also find yourself having to uh, appeal to both uh film goers people who may not be familiar with the story that you want to tell but also you have to take into account how people who have read the original book the original story will react because they will automatically have this uh preconceived um idea of how someone should look how they should talk how they should be and um, you know, I know that uh, both literature and uh, filmmaking are um, on different, uh, on op- opposing uh, sides on on the scale of uh, st- of uh, storytelling. Because one is words, whereas the other is words, visuals, music special effects all those kind of things um all those things have to come together to make a film a success and you have to have the right people uh as the the right uh, to to be the right fit for a specific character because um and it that that can be if the, the the character is brand new and they uh, had never been seen on screen before they'd never been depicted in uh, literature before then people could easily accept an actor playing a, a character even if it's a, a character that can do um, some very awful things um, but the yeah the problem is if you are a fan of a specific character from a specific book and you come to watch a specific film about that has that character in it you're going to automatically have preconceived um, ideas about what you're going to find in there and especially if a filmmaker is adapting uh, a story from a book then the, the fans of that book are going to expect there to be some kind of continuity uh, especially if you're you call it a specific name you call it the same name as it was in a book uh, then people are going to go oh 
So you're basically going to take this story and you're going to dramatise it. So that means that this is going to happen, that is going to happen and so forth. But more often than not, when a film is made about a book, then because of um, the way that uh, films are made, then there has to be some compromises. There is a great deal of editing that goes on uh, because some books, if you even one book, if you were to, to film every scene or every or show everything that happened within a book, then it would be many hours long because most books, most novels, quite substantial novels, um, it take it can take you hours to read even days maybe a, a week perhaps at the, um, at the most so you've got to think that you know every moment that you're reading um, a piece of dialogue or uh, a sentence uh, within a within a book that translates to time on screen and um, you know they, 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 there are different um, different things to take into account when you're making a film um, which is why uh, some some people like uh, like to see adaptations of books created and made into um, television shows because with a television show you have more uh, minutes uh, to play with you you may have um, twelve hours worth of uh, of time if it's a a twelve uh, part series. You may have uh, many different seasons to tell a story from a book, uh, such as um, American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Um, that was translated and developed into a TV series. Um, and uh, they plan to uh, adapt the entire novel into uh, a TV series. And it ran for three seasons uh, before it was um, cancelled and now it's still up in the air whether they will get to finish the series and tell the entire story of American Gods. But that series in particular uh, is an example of how occasionally, uh, because of the time that a book uh, was written, uh, certain things have to be changed when adapting a story or characters to bring them up to date so that they may appeal to uh, a wider audience, uh, to a more modern audience. Um, So, um, depending on the filmmaker, depending on whoever's developing the TV series, um, they may change things slightly, um, hopefully with the the author's blessing, as was the case with American Gods. Neil Gaiman, the original author of American Gods, was um, hands-on, and he got to see... Uh, a lot of the the scripts before they were made apparently um but i suppose uh having written for television and written his own uh tv series um and adapted his own work in the past he neil gaiman is more familiar than anybody with the the trade-offs that have to be made that uh, sometimes you can write a scene in a book but it won't translate well on the screen because um, 
because of one one reason or another maybe um, it's not as fast paced it's, it's very slow and especially if you're adapting a a book into a uh, a film and a film could be two hours three hours long at the most um you know very most people have a very short attention span that's why some people like uh, films that are very fast paced some that are very more action orientated uh because they don't want to be spending minutes or hours just hearing people talk um they can get depending on what film they're watching some people um they they want to be entertained and they don't want to feel as if they've just spent their uh spent the last two hours just sitting there listening to people talk and not getting anything back from that and uh, i can appreciate that but as well you don't want it to just be all um explosions and special effects you want there to be some kind of story that gives that is essentially the backbone of of the film because um but then some sometimes depending on your mood you may just want to sit back and 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 watch uh a moving picture go along and not really take have to take um that much uh in of what you of you watching what you're watching but uh for me uh personally i i like every film that i watch uh well every film that i enjoy has been one that uh, is a combination of many different things uh, it can have uh, you know huge explosions uh, scenes filled with uh, a great deal of special effects and um, computer generated imagery uh, but at, at the core there needs to be uh, a reason for all these characters to to exist um, and uh, it's uh, when you're they're adapting a comic book, uh, comic book characters, I think we can we forgive uh, the adapt the comic book adaptations of characters because when certain comics were made uh, and their characters were depicted, uh, the sensibilities of society were slightly different. Uh, the way that people were treated, the way that people used to dress. Uh, let's say back in the 1960s or the 1970s may have been completely different and because of the time they were made the people in the comic books were depicted uh, to dress a certain way and there was no uh, forethought about people reading comic books in at, at another time and interpreting them to be uh, in any in any such way so when we look back on comics now and we see how people dress we we look at them perhaps and and judge them to be slightly outdated so that's why when comic book when movie adaptations of comic books are made now uh most of the people wear more up-to-date and modernized versions of um cat of uh, uh the comic book depictions so um like the x-men in the X-Men films, the the X-Men in the in those films were uh, modernized versions of those 
that the X-Men wore in the, the comic books and the same in the Marvel films. Uh, but they still tend to have um, the same um, details or they have very similar uh, details that um, can be sourced back to the original source material. And a lot of the, the costumers uh, and um, the art department take great pains in going back to the source material to, to look for certain details and they use them uh, as a way to influence and inspire them when they're creating these new modernized uh, depictions. And uh, I think it's great that they, they do take that kind of time and, and care to do that. Um, same with uh, the um, modern day Star Trek um, films, uh, you know, they, they and the, the TV show, uh, the most uh, recent TV show, Star Trek Discovery, uh, because it's set around the time of the, uh, the original Star Trek series from the 1960s, uh, they have modernized the, the technology and the, uh, the costumes in the series um but they have kept uh the the majority of the same colors and things that you would expect but uh for some people when they watch uh modern uh tv shows that uh, uh stem from older tv shows such as star trek for example they can look at them and think that the, the costumes look too different, the technology is too advanced for how it was back in <coughs> excuse me the 1960s um, but uh, I suppose it's um, it's it's just down to uh, perspective and um, as I was saying the uh, the time in which a TV show uh, is made, Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, and that just, that happens with, uh, with everything, even then, excuse me, in, in certain, uh, books that were made, um, in the, the, the 19th century, the, the early part of the 20th century, they depicted things, and they depicted characters, and they depicted, um, certain situations that, we would look back on now and think uh, of as deplorable, um, you know, such as uh, the slavery that that occurred uh, within the the British Empire um, uh, and within the the you know the United States when it um, uh, first came to become its own independent country. That you know the the absolute. Um, tragedy and travesty and horrible um, um, actions of people um, when they, they kept um, you know African Americans and uh, um, black people from who brought over from the, the colonies and oh it was bar- barbarism absolute barbarism the, the way that um, black people were treated um, and it's absolutely disgusting but there were there were stories written at the time when slavery was normal and should should they be 
taught? Um, should their stories be shared in this day and age? Um, probably not, actually. Um, because, but I, I think if if they were, then they should be shown as educational to show how much society, the world, has hopefully has hopefully changed, and that was how life was back then but now it's um it's not like that or i hope it's not or it shouldn't be um but that is for me the only reason that they should show films or or literature from that time uh is is for reasons of education to to shine a light so as we don't forget what has happened before so that we can make sure that history doesn't repeat itself which unfortunately of course it does um but yeah so yeah my point is that it is very hard to um to create a modern day um depiction um of stories books by by authors who are now uh, um, long since uh, deceased um, but for me <coughs> excuse me um, the one thing that I I have a problem with is when um, films uh, when they try to depict a, a book a much loved well known book and they um they let's say <clears throat> these books that are being developed are this seven books let's take for example uh the dark tower books by stephen king and i spent an entire summer uh a few years ago maybe 10 years ago i've read every one of them um one after another and i was absolutely hooked by each one of them and then uh I was I I thought this is amazing, you know. Really got me into reading even more Stephen King. I'd always been a fan of Stephen King. Uh, my favourite film of all time is The Shawshank Redemption, uh, which was uh, based on a, um, a Stephen King um, short story uh, called uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Um, so I'd been a fan of his for a while uh, and of course I'd seen uh, The Shining uh, which was um, adapted from um, Stephen King's book uh, The Shining which um, uh, I'll get back to in a, in a minute and talking about adaptations but um, yeah so The Dark Tower books uh, I was a fan of I absolutely loved from the moment that I read them uh, I've read them subsequently of course and when I heard they were going to make a movie adaptation in fact there was talk they were going to make a movie adaptation of the the, the books they were going to make a TV show and I was absolutely thrilled I thought oh my god this is incredible you know seeing the character of Roland Jane be brought to life uh, and I used to think, well, who's going to be cast as Roland Jane? Because 
seemingly he was based more on a um, like a Clint Eastwood kind of character. I think that's what the inspiration was uh, for uh, Roland Deschain, um by Stephen King. So I was really hyped up about it, and then I heard that they were going to make a they were going to make this film, and um, I was. I was thrilled, and when I saw that it was going to be released, and I saw that they had cast um, Idris Elba as um, as Roland Deschain, um, and uh, Matthew McConaughey as um, the character of uh, um, Randall Flagg, I believe the character's name is, or uh, also known as the Man in Black uh, in the, the book The Gunslinger. And, um, yeah, and I thought, well, obviously, this Dark Tower film is going to be a depiction of um, The Gunslinger, the first book of the Dark Tower books. And then, hopefully, there will be, um, um, there will be another book. Uh, which would depict the drawing of three uh, book, and there'll be another another film would depict the third book, and and so forth. And I thought, well, that's going to be obviously be it. Or the, the the film, The Dark Tower, may depict uh, one part of the Dark Tower story that was uh, told in the in the books, and then uh, the TV show may add. Uh, uh, more backstory, and I was quite hyped, and I, I love the Dark Tower world, um, the the world of Roland Deschain. I, as I say, I read all the books. I even picked up some of the comic book adaptations that were made. They had some wonderful art in them, uh, all overseen and approved by Stephen King. Um, and I was really hyped for this new Dark Tower um, film. Uh, which came out in 2017, and I thought Idris Elba, uh, he he's a great actor. Uh, he wasn't he wouldn't have been who I would have picked, but I thought, yeah, whatever, you know, great. Um, Matthew McConaughey as um, um, the Man in Black, uh, yeah, great. I, I was all for it, even though, as I say, I wouldn't have picked Idris Elba. Um, I I would I don't know who I would have picked, but. I was I had full faith in it, that Idris Elba would make the, the character of Roland Jane his own. So I went into it with um, a great deal of hype, sat down to watch it, and when I got to the end, as I watched the film, I just thought, what is this? And uh, I was incredibly disappointed because essentially at least to me it seemed like the dark tower movie tried to condense all um seven books i think it was of the dark tower series that uh, stephen king wrote and tried to condense them into one story about roland Jane and um uh, this boy jake and and there and and try and create their own version 
of the story. Um, and spoilers, but uh, in the first novel of the Dark Tower series of books, um, the gunslinger, the character of Jake, dies. Uh, and then in the next book, in the second book, he comes back. Uh, I'm not going to say how, but in the Dark Tower movie, uh, spoilers again, uh, the character doesn't die, and in fact, it ends on a, in a, with a happy ending. And I remember watching the film and walking out of the cinema and thinking, that was absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. And I was so disappointed. I wanted to like it so much. And I, used to, I would try to think to myself, oh no, it's not that bad. Can't be that bad. And then, I'm, I, honestly, I, I really despise that film. Um, I despise it because it's kind of like a bastardization of a story and of some books of characters that I'm so familiar with and that mean a lot to me. And I just hated it. I, I really, and I, I can't watch it now because every time I see when it see it come on TV or something, and people, I hear people say, oh, that's um, Stephen King wrote that, didn't they? And I'm like, no, Stephen King didn't write that version. This version in this film is a bastardization. It, and I hate to say that, but it, it really is. It's, it's a horrible, a horrible film. And I'm, I'm sure the director, um, uh, Nikolai uh, Arsel, went into it with good intentions. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I think it's a horrible version. It, as I say, it, it tried for me. It seems as if they were trying to condense all of the books, all of several um, details from all of the books, and condense it into one film. And it was a disappointment. And I just want to read an article uh, from the website cinemablend.com uh, and a an article there written by Eric Eisenberg um, <coughs> excuse me which is entitled uh, the Dark Tower screenwriter opens up about what happened to the Stephen King blockbuster and his regret and I just want to read that to you there was disappointment abound in the summer of 2017 when director Nikolai Arsel's The Dark Tower arrived in theatres. Critics panned the film. Stephen King fans felt shortchanged when comparing the adaptation to the beloved series and what was intended to be a franchise starter instead turned out to be a worldwide flop. Nearly four years after its premiere, it's a wound that still stings and it's resulted in screenwriter Akiva Goldsman regretting a lot about the project that didn't work out. Goldsman first got involved with Dark Tower in 2010 when Universal Pictures began plans to adapt the story simultaneously across multiple mediums and the filmmaker was specifically asked about that era of development during a recent interview with The Hollywood Reporter. 
Brushing past the aspect of the question, wondering if any of the material was still in any way active, the Hollywood, the Oscar-winning screenwriter instead took the opportunity to explain that he ultimately wasn't happy with the way that the 2017 film turned out and that far superior big screen takes on the Stephen King epic came and went long before the version that was released on the silver screen. I have a lot of regret about the parts of that that didn't work out. Our best version of that existed well before television, movie, crossovers and streaming were a thing. I have a lot of affection for the books that didn't end up on screen uh, in the 2017 movie The Dark Tower. And Ron Howard had this idea of what could be done across platforms. He didn't touch the movie, but sometimes things slip away. During The Dark Tower time, at Universal, the project was the subject of a ridiculous amount of back and forth and push and pull that eventually saw the studio lose faith in its potential. Belts were tightened and scripts were rewritten as budgetary concerns began to rule conversations and by July of 2011, Universal decided to cancel all their plans. For a time, Warner Brothers was looking into getting things going again but they eventually passed too, and it wasn't until April of 2015 that Sony Pictures got involved and fast-tracked the single movie that eventually got made. In the span of a few years, the Dark Tower adaptation went from having ambitious plans akin to the Marvel Cinematic Universe to becoming a $60 million blockbuster that ended up being 90 minutes long. Akiva Goldsman says that there are aspects of the movie that he still appreciates, including Idris Elba's turn as Roland Deschain, but notes that the end result is the outcome of a classic too many cooks in the kitchen scenario. There are things about that film I still admire, and Idris Elba played a really wonderful Roland. I think there were too many different points of view, mine included, when it came to figuring out how to tell a cogent story on screen, and we could have done better. So, will we ever get to see Roland? Uh, will we ever get to see Hollywood try another crack at the Dark Tower? There have been attempts, but sadly, they haven't worked out. With the most prominent being an Amazon Prime streaming series that was in the works for a while before it fell apart. That being said, Stephen King adaptations continue to have a lot of heat, so it would be silly to totally give up on the idea. If we do wind up hearing about any more plans for either big screen or small screen plans for Roland, Jane, and The Man in Black, you'll be sure to find it in our constantly updating upcoming Stephen King movies and TV guide so stay tuned and that was on uh, cinemablend.com um, on April the 14th 2021 and notoriously um, Stephen King hated the adaptation of The Shining that Stanley Kubrick um, released uh, which was, was an adaptation of his book The Shining 
and because he didn't like the fact that um, certain things were changed, and he just he doesn't see it as a a a um, an adaptation that he approves of. Whereas a lot of people look at The Shining and think that it's an absolute masterpiece. But is it a direct adaptation of Stephen King's original novel? No. But um, as is The Shawshank Redemption. The Shawshank Redemption isn't a word-for-word, word-to-scene, perfect adaptation of that uh, short story. But it works. And Stephen King actually approves of the changes that were made to um, the film that what Frank Darabont put onto the screen and it's my favourite film of all time The Shawshank Redemption uh, I love it for so many reasons but I can differentiate between the film and the story and I can enjoy both of them um, separately um, but Stephen King, he he doesn't like. He notoriously doesn't like the um, the Shining that was created by um, Stanley Kubrick. Um, I think he's much more agreeable to the um, big screen adaptation of his sequel to The Shining, um, Doctor Sleep. And I don't know if his opinion of Stanley Kubrick's treatment of his original novel of The Shining has mellowed over time but uh, from what I've heard for many years that he really has a great deal of disdain for that uh, depiction, that adaptation but that is his right to do so and I suppose as an author you do feel more close to the characters um, than anybody else because you created them, you drove their the plot that uh, pushed them along throughout the story of whatever book it was that you were writing. So you do have a right to have some say into how they look or how they're depicted on screen. Um, and I suppose that's the that is I suppose it speaks to the constraints of a film adaptation as opposed to a TV adaptation, especially if it's a a long story within a quite chunky novel um and it could be that those that the adaptations that um come to see the light of day on um, streaming services such as amazon prime or netflix or are better suited to um an, a novel because they're more serialized you get to be able you get to tell a more expansive story over several weeks uh, even several years if it's um, it's budgeted and planned to uh, scroll over uh, many different seasons of television so you have a lot more scope a lot more a lot wider canvas to play with whereas in a film as I was saying a lot of people have a very short attention span and those people who sit down to watch a film um they want to they want to start start it enjoy it and finish it within two two to three hours at most so um you can't there are in that case you have to there are going to be things left on the cutting room floor as we've seen there are many occasionally many 
deleted scenes that don't find their way into a film that depicted certain things that happened in um, uh, the novel that were uh, uh, dramatised. Um, and fortunately, um, a lot of these deleted scenes occasionally find their way onto DVDs and Blu-ray so that people can see uh, what what would have been. Um, or they are there is a an extended edition uh, that is released where, where deleted scenes are reincorporated into films and you get to see uh, a much um, much more um, extended version and sometimes it adds to the story of the, the film um, sometimes it detracts um, from the story uh, but yeah, I suppose there is a great deal of balance that has to be kept when you're making a film. And that's why I think, um, from my perspective, I think uh, films are a, a better place to to show an original story rather than a book adaptation, uh, unless the book is comparatively small. Um and you could read that book within an hour or two hours maybe you know with that that kind of time uh but the the bigger the book the more time that you need to uh show the characters show their intentions show why they are the way that they are why they do what they do and that's why i think tv uh series are a better place for um dramatizing books because uh, as I say, it has more time to play with. It has, um, it has the the gift of being able to set up something at the beginning of the series and then pay it off right at the end. And uh, yeah, it gives it gives this a story more time to breathe, rather than a, how a, a film has to capture you within the first thirty seconds. Basically, within the first minute, the the, the teaser, uh, as it's called in in TV shows, you you have to capture people's. Um, in some TV shows, they have a teaser, and then they have the main credit, the main titles of the of the series, and then they have the continuation of the of the episode. But in that teaser, that is there to to tease you into the story of a particular episode, so to keep you watching. Um, and films have that as well. Uh, if you think about uh, films such as Jaws, where the teaser is uh, that what the character of uh, Chrissy Watkins, I believe her name is, and she's swimming out in the ocean there, and then she gets attacked by the the shark. And it, what that teaser does is it gives you uh, an accurate representation, or it teases you about what you may come to see uh, throughout the film. So you. I suppose you get an idea of what uh, if it's a film for you uh, and a, in a TV show usually the pilot is the teaser of the entire series the pilot episode that first episode of a TV series is the, the teaser for the entire series and it's a pilot um, for that is given to uh, studio executives um, and it's also a pilot for uh, viewers as well um, to basically give them a taster of what the story is about, but not 
uh, tell everybody everything about who characters are or what their intentions are or what's going to happen to them because you have to you have to keep some kind of mystery back so that people will continue to come back week after week to understand uh, you know uh, or to find out more about a character and that's why I suppose more serialized um, TV shows uh, are uh, more compelling um, sitcoms are very compelling as well because you can come in and out of a, of a TV show a sitcom and they usually have more um, standalone episodes so you don't really have you can just tune in one week uh, and then tune out the next week and then tune back in next the next week after that and you haven't really missed anything you you don't find that you have to go back and watch the previous episode to understand uh, um, what what's happening in a person's certain character's life and then you have some series that are a mixture of both serialized um, as well as standalone um, such as The Office um, where you know you might have an episode about a specific character going through something but there is always a through line that goes through the entire season um, that sets up a, a payoff perhaps at the end and um, and the office was was good with that both the british office and the the american office um but yes and but if, for some reasons um some developments some depictions don't work out um at the beginning the studios and uh, studio executives and producers have a great deal of faith in a tv show and they get the first season made and sometimes it's a great success sometimes it's not and it's a great success in the first season and then uh, people come to expect it to be exactly the same in the second season to be just as much of a success but um, sometimes in the intervening time between seasons being released uh, the, um, the the tastes of uh, viewers can, uh, can move on to other TV shows so you have to keep drawing them back you have to keep reminding them uh, about why this tv show was so good in the first place and that's why um sometimes some tv shows can try too hard um uh their first season is brilliant um um uh, example of that is american gods where i thought the first season was great um, and then when it came back for a second season, I thought it was it was good, but not as good as the first season. Um, and I think it lost viewers as well, um, for whatever reason. But then when it came back for a third season, it was it was better, better than the second season. It had a lot of promise, but then it got uh, then it got cancelled. Um, and I suppose you know viewers as well as studio executives are can be very fickle sometimes their um, their um, love of a project uh, can wane after over time and I suppose they would most more rather put their attention and their eggs into the basket of a film because uh, once the film's made it's an independent film and it's not part of a franchise then they can 
um, put all their in, their attention into it and then see how it goes and if it's a success then they may green light a, a second um, a second part of it that features the same characters if the uh, there is still viewer interest in the character and I suppose it all just depends on on the character and, and the stories and what is what kind of films are working at a particular time because you know sometimes you, um, uh, superhero films might be uh, what's winning all the awards whereas another year it may be uh, a more cerebral film um, then another year it may be more of a um, films depicting um, a certain conflict or a war or a certain time um, in our lives that has been um, captured and translated and put in put onto uh, um, onto film that way um, so it, it it's all tastes change like the wind like the seasons uh, so I suppose that's why it's very hard to make a a an adaptation of a of a book and that's why I believe that it's a great it's a it's a big risk to do a modern adaptation of an old story um, but I think I would rather that than filmmakers or TV writers attempting or saying that they're going to depict a book the story of a book and they they show several uh, familiar details from the book or uh, details of a, of a character but then they just change things in very radical way um, and as I say well it all depends if it's a as I say it depends on how big and how expansive the, the original story was that you're trying to adapt but when you try and distill a, a book and a story as big as something like as I say the Dark Tower series of books you try and distill that and put it into one film it's always going to fail always going to fail because people like me who are familiar with the original source material are going to watch it and go what is this whereas other people might look at it and go who are not familiar with the source material the original novels and think hey that's great and then they'll watch it spend 90 minutes with it and then move on to the next thing whereas for me and for a lot of people they they'll watch a film and they'll re-watch a film and then a week later they'll watch it again and then they'll tell their friends about it and they'll it, it becomes has comes to have a cult following because uh because of word of mouth because it's so good and because films some of the best films stay with you for years um, and you go back to them and you watch them and you still are able to tap into that same feeling that you had when you originally watched it and those films are some of the best films those that remind you of when you were a kid they can give you this great wave of nostalgia or they give you hope of the future or something like that but and I suppose that's the that's the fine line um, and that's why I say that um, film for me is a better medium for original storytelling 
Um, not that television isn't also, but I think television is the best place to depict um, adaptations of books uh, written by uh, authors uh, because it hasn't got those constraints. But there again, with uh, with American Gods, it can be if you stretch out the story too far if uh, a studio looks at a book and they say we really want to adapt this Uh, it's going to go multiple seasons very occasionally because they want to market it and they they plan for it to span multiple seasons the script writers and the uh, showrunners are asked by the studio to spread the story out to not give the viewers everything all in one go uh, and of course by doing that by uh, staving things off and thinking oh well, well we'll reveal this in multiple seasons we'll reveal this in season four not in season one or season two like in uh, you know in Lost Lost is a great example of that where because uh, it, it was a, a mostly a series a very mystery orientated series you didn't know what was going on the passengers of oceanic flight 815 had crashed on an island very mysterious island um they'd all survived for some reason um but that story was designed to span multiple seasons but over time people uh people's attention started to wane some people became even more obsessed about if the questions that were posed were going to be answered and then uh, ultimately when answers weren't given then people got frustrated and so yeah it's I suppose it's very hard I suppose that's why limited series are the best those that say we're going to produce 12 episodes 13 episodes and that's it and I suppose that's the best way to, to, to produce a TV series is to think of it as if it is a very long movie um, uh, but essentially it's going to be released on TV um, and I suppose that's why that's what the the uh, the newest uh, Marvel uh, TV series uh, are like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier that series is was designed to um, be told over I think uh, seven episodes but essentially it would be like uh, a, a movie but it's been uh, stretched out in beyond like two hours or three hours that you would most likely uh, expect or um, WandaVision which was told you know week by week um, uh, 30, 30 minutes long an episode and it could have been maybe less episodes but it was essentially one movie it was one contained story and I think that's the best way to go I think um, because you can you can tell an expansive story but you don't have to uh, wait for years to find out what's going to happen in the end and it's also not going to be too short uh, so that you walk away thinking that you've been shortchanged but uh, yeah it's a great um, I suppose it's it's a very hard uh, line to to walk, uh, or especially when you're planning out how a story is going to proceed. Um, so, uh, 
yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that it's, it's not hard to, uh, to make the cuts that they have to make. But some, yeah, some adaptations of, of books are really good, really good. Um, like uh, the Lord of the Rings films by uh, Peter Jackson, great adaptations. Um, and others like The Dark Tower. Uh, well, yeah, you know how I feel about that. But yeah, so that's all I want to say on the matter for, for now. But um, yeah, you obviously, everyone has their own opinion and everyone's entitled to that. But uh, that's mine. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to leave it there for now. I uh, just want to say uh, thank you for listening. I uh, hope you like what you heard. And I'll talk to you again soon. If you like what you heard in uh, this episode of uh, the Mark Hastings Experience, um, and if you want to check out some more of my poetry, um, then you uh, you can head over to markthepoet.me, uh, which is my website, and you'll find uh, lots of the poems that I've written over the years. Um, if you want to uh, check out some of my poetry uh, in a book form, uh, you can go to Amazon and you'll find um, all 10 of my books that I've had published. Um, they're all books of poetry, um, uh, books of stories, uh, books of uh, memories and uh, experiences. Um, and there'll be more to come. And uh, if you would love to um, contribute uh, to... Uh, to the podcast then you can do so by heading over to patreon and searching for mark the poet and uh your uh, your support would be greatly appreciated um but uh, as i was saying i hope you liked what you heard in this uh, episode um and i'll talk to you again soon